welcome, welcome. Glad you guys are listening today. Welcome to the Likeability Podcast. I am so glad you are listening today. You know what? This is episode number 19. This episode, we will continue to look at how likability helps strengthen your influence at work, at home, and really with all of your relationships. On this episode, we will enjoy an interview with Travis Billingsley. He's a friend and a professional leader in the human resource industry. Travis specializes in leading and managing the talent resources in a great company here in the metro Atlanta area. He also makes some great comments about my book, Likeability. Let's join the interview now. Well, hey, everybody. Glad you are listening and watching today. Rick Forbes again. And uh, this uh, is going to be a really great interview today. I'm very excited about my guest. Uh, Most of you that follow me, uh, whether you're my business clients or we've been working together in volunteer world nonprofits, know that this blog will come out. You get to watch it again. And then this audio is always used on my likability podcast, which you can find just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. But hey, it's my pleasure today. I mean, I'm really, really excited about Travis Billingsley being on the on the show today. Uh, respect him in so many ways. I guess getting to tell him here on online is the best way to do it. Uh, you know, men sometimes we have personalities. We don't know how to compliment people, right? That's part of the that's the reason I stay in business, Travis, as a coach, <laughs> is, is working with leaders. But uh, Travis, I, I, I connected early on with him when I realized what he did for a living some, some years back, I guess it was now. And uh, so he's the chief human resource officer at a company here in the Atlanta area, actually in Alpharetta. And uh, Travis is a, an expert in all these human behavioral issues we deal with in organizations and so Travis, tell, just tell the audience for a second, kind of uh, maybe a summary of how you got where you are. Just back your resume up a little bit and just uh, and tell us a little bit about, about your career, if you, would, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, Rick, thank you. You're too kind. Uh, you've been uh, an inspiration to many folks um, as they've continued to read your books, um, to listen to your podcast, to, just to, to to, to know you is a blessing, and so I appreciate you taking some time with me. I, I'm honored to be with you today. But can I? Say uh, one, I want to say one thing. I am. Um, I got a man crush on your hair. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I guess uh, I have to tell my wife. She uh, she keeps me straight on all this. So. Yeah, you got a great got a great lift going there, man. I'm real proud. Yeah, of I appreciate okay. it. I, I work hard at that before I get here. So that that's the, that's the first thing, right? Hey, thank you. Yeah, I mean, didn't yeah, I interrupt. Jump back into your summary no, of your career. I appreciate it. Hey, listen, you know, my career started in rural North Carolina. I, I grew up in a, in a small town uh, in North Carolina, right outside of Pinehurst, North Carolina. Uh, my mom was uh, an HR director, HR professional her whole life. And wow. uh, so I got that itch early on. I heard the conversations about uh, taking care of people, about motivating people, about loving on people, um, and, and, and seeing that um, and, and watching that live out as her career progressed and as I got older, it was pretty clear that, hey, I, I had a, a same desires and, and really wanted to emulate what my mom was doing because I, she, she's one of my, she's somebody I really respect professionally, and obviously she's my mom, but 
uh, that had a big influence on me. And so I knew right out of high school when I got out, started going off to college that, hey, that was an area that I wanted to focus on. And so I uh, did that, had some great professors as a lot of folks that remember those individuals. I had a great OD uh, professor that uh, poured into me um, and really, you know, I think set some, some groundwork on, you know, some of the theory pieces that go behind HR. But as most folks know about HR, it is different in every case. And so you can have all, a lot of theory in place, but yeah. there's a lot of you know, as your book talks about, a little bit about likability and having the secret sauce and, and being able to motivate and engage people. But uh, so my career, my career started that way. And, and so I, I got into, I've always been in kind of a, a blue collar setting um, with a workforce, I started out in, in food processing and uh, worked for a great company, Purdue Farms, um, and great people, great morals, great ethics. And, and that just, my, my career just blossomed. Uh, they gave me all the runway that I wanted, had a great mentor there, um, and then uh, had the opportunity to, to keep moving. And so I went into wood products and started rolling and got put on a fast track with, uh, uh, with, with a company and had a, what I would now say is my mentor, uh, a guy named by Randy Springer uh, out, out of Oregon. And just hit it off with him. Just such a super guy, had the same belief system, had the same morals, ethics, and thought about loving on people and how do you take care of them, but also be a business professional that still understands the business goals and objectives. And so um, because of that, uh, got the opportunity and, and was put on a succession list. And, and if things were still going well, moved me to Atlanta and took on a uh, somewhat of an international role as an HR uh, director out of Can uh, for Canada and the North America and a little bit of some things in South America. And, and so that just kept going. Life was good. Uh, landed here at Rogers Electric as the chief human resource officer and working for probably one of the most benevolent companies I've ever worked for. Oh, wow. um, they just love on people and uh, they take care of people. Uh, Lynn and Lindsay uh, just and Chris are just an incredible family uh, here in the, the Atlanta metro area. And so I've been just blessed, Rick, just been blessed. Well, good. And, and, and listen, I don't know that I've ever talked to someone in the HR industry whose mom was in it. That's that's a, that's a pretty cool piece of information. Yeah. And um, of course, I know knowing you, your heart, I love that. I love the, that everything you're talking about is pretty much soft skills, although, you know, all the theory organization yeah. theory and development and all that. So I, I know that uh, knowing you as a person, which is vital in the workforce today, isn't it? I, before we even talk about the book, what would be something, Travis, you would share with uh, the listeners and the viewers that you've discovered as a best practice? In other words, you've got enough repetition in it that you can tell that it it connects with people. Let, let's say, let's just take one category, that employee that's that's struggling whether it's performance review or they just have life issues. Uh, what, just, just give us a few best practices. And, and, and we know they're anecdotal uh, yeah. and they re may, they'd represent maybe one or two kinds of industry. But I'd just love to hear your thoughts on that. I think that'd be helpful for the leaders that are listening. You know, there's a great quote that says to get something you never had, you have to do something you've never done. Yeah. And so I look at every employee situation in that lens, uh, Rick, is that when I when I meet somebody, everybody comes to the table 
with life experiences, life crises, life blessings. And so when you see that and you look at that, the first thing is trying to understand where they are as, as a human, not as an employee, not as anything else, but just where are you humanly and, and spiritually and, and intellectually, just kind of where are you at? Let me understand that side of it so that I can put myself in your shoes and then I can try to help you and try to coordinate as we call alignment, right? Yeah. And try to get aligned with what the business is trying to, 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 to do and what, what they're trying to do as, as an employee. You know, it's a two-way street. The business, it's got to work for the business. It's got to work for employees. So I'd say that's one of my best practices is really before we get into anything, let me, let me understand who you are and what you're bringing to the table and the baggage and the good and the skills and all of those things, right? Because yeah. we overlook that. We live in a, in a world now that is so fast paced that technology, we, we go past the human element and um, the technology is great. But the first step should always be, in my opinion, how do I, how do I connect with you? And how do I relate? I think that I think that is not only incredible advice. I think it's kind of the centerpiece of being successful in the the talent industry. Yeah. Um, and you, like I have, I've been an external vendor in corporations, you know, large government agencies, military, uh, and so you. I mean, you have to live it every day. I get to go in, uh, you know, as a contractor, and I may have long contracts, but in general, I never get to know the employees or the talent like you do. But you you put your finger on it, and so we you know you've heard it said it's it's a cliche, but we, you know we we hire we hire, ta- everything rises and falls on talent. So we we're looking for people that are talented, not just um, you know people that have IQ, but they have EQ, and not only that, when they when they land at, at the at the the logo, basically I talk about flying the logo every morning in every industry. When they land at the logo, can they be? aligned and then can they be coached and persuaded to move into alignment so that their gifts and talents can actually be enjoyed by the whatever product they may be selling right absolutely absolutely you know um and and i'll tell you that the other piece that's so important is that you get great front leaders that understand what i believe are, are some of the basics which you are you talk about you know as we think about being you know being a good motivator being a good listener uh, being authentic, all of those things are really important too. And so when I think about my own team from an HR, safety, whatever perspective, I want to find that those frontline leaders that have those soft skills first, I can teach someone how to make chicken salad, as we say it in North Carolina, or barbecue, <laughs> but, yeah. but I can't teach you some of that immediately. It's gotta, there's got to be a little bit of coaching and development that happens. And so I, I really work on frontline leaders and finding folks that are people leaders. If you're a people leader, then we can, I think we can carry the banner that the business is trying to. Yeah. And Travis, you're hitting on something also that's so important and it it, it sort of surrounds the idea of likability book and that's influence. I can give you case after case and I'll just give you one. Uh, You know, we always talk about the guy that's the smartest guy in the room. I coached a guy a few years ago and he, uh, he literally was the smartest guy in the room and they were doing everything they could to promote him. So when he engaged me with a contract, it was to help him develop executive presence. So he already, he knew the answers when he said at the CEO table or CIO table, what, what I tried to help him do is to discover his gifts and his personality. You can be an introvert and have a strong message and have strong executive presence, which is what you're talking about. It's, it's surrounds, 
It's the centerpiece of great talented people as they understand who they are, but they also can live in who they are and uh, let their soft skills help funnel the message back out to constituents or stakeholders of any kind. So um, I want to jump in to uh, add, just let you tell me what and our listeners, what maybe your favorite chapter in the book was or a passage or just a quote. It could be across several chapters. It doesn't matter. So just you go there. Let's go there next. And then we'll have some questions, I'm sure, around that. Yeah. You know, um, I'll, I'll tell you that the most challenging chapter for me, because um, it really challenged me on, on the way that I thought about it. And, and I think it's being aligned. Right. I never thought that align meant that I had to do a self-evaluation first, understand my own feelings about topics and, and, and be able to express those without putting people uh, on edge or, you know, uh, being offensive in that. But I, I found that um, the first piece was doing a, a, an inner look at my own self, getting my own spirit right, at, as we say right? And, and making sure that I'm comfortable, but not only that, but I'm comfortable explaining why I am who I am and, and, and owning that. But, you know, I always tell people, uh, you can't change a zebra's stripes. Those are their stripes. And so the more that I can understand myself, the more then that I know where I can align and help other people align and can align with the business. And so I found that just to be just an incredible piece in this book is the alignment piece. I just thought that was crucial. I think that in a world where it's all about self, um, it, that's a good thing to, in the sense that you can understand yourself, but it goes further than that. How do I take myself, market myself to a business that adds value to that business and that I can relate to others in that business and grow relationships? Listen, we spend more time at a business than we do at home. Those relationships are just as important um, as they are with uh, the folks that I live with, Right. My two kids and and my beautiful bride. But um, I would tell you that that was one of the learnings that I got out of this. This is one of the learnings that my mentor, Randy Springer, has done a good job with me on is making sure that I understand who I am, but I also can express myself in a way that aligns with the business values and and can relate that to the rest of the, the business. Well, th- well, thank you for that. I that was a you know one of the chapters it was difficult to even just get started on, but I felt like it had to be a topic. Um, you know, and, and you know, alignment can be an organizational theory, right? You, we align to co- a set of core values. Our performance management systems align to a set of core values. Uh, we have a way of doing things. All of that's still tactical, right? That, yeah, and, I, and I, yeah, and, and Travis, some of the ways I, I use a lot of mind mapping in my training and my coaching, but you take a triangle, the left side of that triangle is tactical. That's your tactical resume. That's your skill set. The right side of the triangle is your emotional makeup. It's your personality type. I mentioned this in the book. Uh, it's your what, the way that you manage your own personality. You manage your stress behaviors. And then the bottom is situational. You know, so a certain company will have situational ethics or work ethics that are broader. You know, but what you just said and I is alignment is can be tactical. But the way I tried to pitch it in that chapter was be an aligner. You know, you be the you be the person who is helping align people. That's all relational, right? Absolutely. Listen, yeah. I think of some of the folks that are the, that move pretty quick up the, the chain of command, or that that get more responsibility, more ownership. That's probably the one thing that they do very well at. 
they align with folks, they understand folks very well, and they align with what the business is trying to accomplish. Yeah, I, it's I, overlapping. I, I think that's the word you use is overlapping in, in, in the chapter a lot. So. Yeah, that's good. And I'd love to hear anything else in that chapter. But you just said something that's sparked something in my memory. So as a company, we have dealt with all kinds of core values. We try to take our material or my, our coaching into a world of a set of core values. And you said something about the people that are sending an organization quickly. They have figured out how to align. And I just m made a mental note that at the Centers for Disease Control, where we have been, I think, 16 years, pretty much on and off, that one of their core values is, is called is being savvy. <laughs> you know, that's interesting. That, I think that's how they articulate savvy. So it's internally politically astute, right? Yeah. They, they, get, they get it. So we act one way when we work for Chick-fil-A, we act another way when we work for Google, we act another way when we work for a Chevrolet dealership, then we act when we work for the Bentley dealership, right? Or the Land Rover dealership. Yeah. I know you're a Land Rover guy. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, you're, I think that's great that you pull that out of that chapter. It's so hard to write on something that's kind of existential, you know, uh, but being, being a declarer to yourself, you tell yourself awareness that you're going to be an aligner. Think of the value that brings to any organization. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as an HR professional. Oh man, uh, you listen, if there's anything that I think that the world now teaches us is to be all about self and for the opportunity to look at self and say, listen, be who you are. But the biggest thing that you can do for your business and your fellow man is to align with them, is to be an encourager, to be inspirational. All of those things that you talk about in your book, um, it, it's, it's just a fascinating, it turns it upside down, right, about yeah. how, how the world operates right now. The world is all about self and, 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 and taking care of self. But when you think about these type of characteristics and you think about true leaders in your business and true, what I see as true leaders in the business, servant leaders, this is it, right? It is, it's about self-awareness. It's about, you know, I like the other piece you said in the chapter too, it says about being centered, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think about being a balanced man. What does that look like? What does it look like to be a balanced employee? Are we taking care of the mental, the physical, the spiritual? What are, what does that look like? I think that all plays into this alignment piece so that you're ready to get when you walk into the door. Uh, at, at your place of work. But from an HR perspective, how do I set up an environment where people can be aligned? Am I giving them the opportunity to align, whether that's through EQ training, right? But knowing their own personality, their traits, their strengths, uh, giving them an opportunity to share with one another, creating those kind of opportunities, help folks to get into that kind of rhythm, what I would call a battle rhythm, Right. That they know that when we have a new person come on or a new idea. We're going to get in line with that and we're going to work to to move it forward. I like I like the way you frame it, because your your ground level ground zero and are, are at the uh, epicenter of a company. And you're seeing it from every perspective of every kind of person, the way they per, uh, perform tactically, but the way they react, uh, you know, with their emotions. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of basically the industry I've been in is, is as a holistic coach. And I think I probably framed it in that chapter. I've got a new book I'm co-writing with a guy and we talk vividly about the what any psychologist will say, Travis, and you know this, most especially industrial organizational psychologists is what my background is, is they will talk about the five forms of human expression. 
So, the, the, you know, we can find discover the psychology of a company, but it is uh, your professional life. How is that? Is that healthy? Is your personal life healthy? Is your physical life healthy? Do you know if a person doesn't have sleep, how they perform at work the next day? They oh, stay up all night watching the Braves lose or win, right? <laughs> <laughs> or, or North Carolina, that's where you're going. That's right. Yeah. Then we have, after our physical life, we have our legacy life. So how are we extending our leadership? How are we extending our reputation and then our spiritual life? And I've had that conversation in, in, in completely secular organizations because holistically, it's important to everybody. And one thing you flagged that's just really important for you and me and for people that we will work with is our self-awareness, right? Every, every good counselor, every good coach will always say, if you can't get through the gate of self-awareness, you will always struggle. You got to walk, get that key, get in there and self-examine. And of course, we use a battery of assessments. And uh, but but what, if you don't ever get self-assessed or, se you know, or self-aware, you can't self-manage. Right. That's the next piece of emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Absolutely. You manage your you can't manage your behaviors and your stress until you are self-aware. And that, so I would be interested in what uh, organizations like yours, or maybe some that you know of that do a good job in assessing employees. Do you, yeah. you, know, yeah, you know, when you think about assessments, it starts at the life cycle. I mean, it's a life cycle with an employee. It starts at the at the hiring process, right, mm -hmm. uh, of, of understanding people, whether that's using DISC, uh, uh, workplace big five, Myers-Briggs, you name it, right? There's a ton of opportunities. And so we certainly have used those in our businesses and previous lines, we do that, right? But really that's just a tool just to open the door as what you're talking about. People have got to be willing to say, okay, come on in, let's go open these, these closets. Let's, let's look under the couch, you know, let's really understand who we are as, as people. And so we use them at the, at the beginning stages. We use them when, when new team members come on, we like to sit down and say, hey, listen, I want to explain to you who your boss is, the makeup of your boss, the makeup of your team. This is what that looks like. Here's could be some pinch points. Here's going to be some things that you guys are just going to be so creative and just do incredible jobs on. And so, yes, there are assessments at the beginning, in the middle. And then when you think about the legacy of someone, you know, I, I love for people and we, we, we highly motivate people to, to take time. What does it look like? What are you going to leave behind? Not, you know, when someone else comes behind you and the, the role that you have, what do you want to leave behind? I don't know that we ask employees that. I think what we ask employees every day, and I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about in general of any business is what can you do today and, and how do you add to the bottom line? But I think a question that we should start asking is, is that what is the legacy you want to leave in this environment? Yeah, that's good. So. That's very good. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've coached some people that, I mean, they never need to make another penny um, and they're still young. Uh, but when I hit this topic of legacy, it's very, it's very difficult. And, and Dr. Young, my partner uh, at Trove, we, we talk about legacy starts tomorrow. It's not something you leave University of North Carolina Greensboro or, or you know, or I'll, I'll leave at a university. Uh, what it is, if we are living holistically, our legacy is lived every day, every choice. Every, uh, and I talk about it in a sensible leadership book before this one about it's every brushstroke of your life portrait, you know, every, it's every decision. And so legacy is happening. It's, I love, I love to think of it when I'm talking with, the, with, with leaders is that you are, I mean, you can, you can change Monday morning. You can have an active legacy building 
quest for your own your own life. It, it doesn't it doesn't have to be financially something you're endowing. It's got to be you're endowing your kids, right? You're endowing your the, your reports in the organizational chart. Uh, you, so that I love that you brought that up as well. And I would really I'd like to have you on again and let's talk about maybe we just kind of get into those some of those factors it, it, where you've seen people overcome themselves basically by by shaping the way they want to develop. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I'm trying to do for my kids right now is that um, I, I, I have a, a daily quiet time and I try to I try to write to them a personal note and hope that one day that they'll pick up their daily quiet time and read through that. And there'll be a, a personal note to them about what's going on in my life, whether holistically, right, professionally, spiritually, you know, all of that. And, and so that they can learn from that, because I want them to know I want them to know about. Um, you know, what's happening with me, because I think it impacts others. And so if you think about what that does for a business, too. If you think about that, I'm going to leave behind something that's lasting to the business. I'm not here to take, I'm here to leave something as well. I think it, I think it changes the game. I think when you look at people and tell them you want them to come and have an impact, but it's not just about right now, tomorrow, but a lasting impact. I, it, I don't know. You got to get aligned to that. You got to get aligned personally for that. I, I love that. And uh, what, what we might could have in a, in a follow-up down the road, it would be, so what you're talking about with transparency, you know, we're not born with transparency, just like we're not born with positivity. We're not born positive. We shape it. It's emotional intelligence. It's pliable. And to, to, to declare to ourselves as, as a, in our self-awareness moment is, you know what, starting Monday morning, I'm going to be transparent as I can. We can shape that. Yeah. It start, it's cognitive, then it becomes emotional. And uh, leaders that are transparent, you know, and Travis, I, I have to frame everything. I, you know, I frame things because I'm so right-brained, brain, but I'll say, can you throw the velvet-covered brick? In other words, can you be forthright without hurting somebody's feelings? Can you be totally, I mean, honest as you can be without hurting their feelings or crushing them personally? Man, that's executive presence, right? You can, somebody can come in your office, it's got to be a hard conversation. And you're self-aware and you're self-managing to a level that, you know what, when he or she, she comes in, I'm preemptively going to prepare, prepare to tell them the truth, but I'm going to do everything in my capability to not hurt their feelings and crush their spirit. Now, that is a high level of emotional intelligence. That's being transparent. I love that you brought that topic up. Most leaders don't want to talk about that topic, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the hardest thing I've ever had to do with coaching people is, is say, listen, Folks come into my office throughout my career and said, hey, listen, I, I need to get rid of Johnny. I need to get rid of Sally. And, and, and it's hard to look at those, those situations and say, how do we not get rid of them? How do we take somebody's behavior and give them enough self-awareness, enough of, they understand they can align with the business, they can align with your expectations. How do we do that um, in their words and actions um, so that we save people? Listen, companies spend thousands of dollars onboarding and getting people ready, the training, you know, all of that cost. There has to be more about aligning and, again, the self-awareness and looking at ourselves and being authentic that we can look at it and say, what do I need to do for this person? Again, it's a, it's a different model when you say, what can I do versus what can I receive? 
That is so good. And I, and I knew that you and I would not get finished <laughs> today. So I'm already planning a sequel in my mind. I'm so good. I got, I've got, I could talk with you all day, Rick. You know, I love you, man. I could get it. I could get so much out of you. So you're at ground level and I've been an external consultant, but I want to thank you. And I think highly of Brooke and your children that I've, the ones that I've met. And I, I don't have any, you have three. I got two, I, but listen, I really have four. I've got two humans and then I got two dogs, right? They, <laughs> yeah. They I get, interchange sometimes. I, I totally get it, but I really appreciate you, man. I appreciate Absolutely. you. I know you're busy and I thank you for what you've given us as my listeners, as far as best practices. And I, and, and those that listen uh, that are in corporate environments or, or in nonprofit environments, there has been good material here today. And I want to thank you for reading the book. And I thank you for just who you are and the way you're out there on the front edge leading in this great city of Atlanta. So right. thank, and thank, thank you. you. Great book. I love it, man. It's good thank stuff. You. I'll see you soon. Right, Bye. Bye. Thanks a bunch.